Hey everyone, what's the crack? Welcome back to Fueling Life with me, Ben Forsyth. This episode we have Kieran Davern. Um, Kieran's probably considered one of the best scrapplers in indefinitely in Ireland and probably in Europe as well, maybe even the world. Um, but I first met Kieran back in probably about six or seven years ago when I joined SPG, and you'll hear us talking about this briefly. Um, I met Kieran there. He was fighting MMA at the time and has since kind of made the move into being full-time professional jiu-jitsu and um, I can't even begin to put into words how good this guy is and how hard this guy works and um, so we've myself and Will go down to him a good bit to train um, and I just it was really really good to get his story and I think you all are really really going to enjoy it Will is sitting uh, beside us during the podcast and you'll hear him ask a few questions you know um, so keeping it relaxed as usual yeah look i really hope you enjoy the podcast make sure you give kieran a follow on all your platforms um all your usual platforms and yeah enjoy this podcast and let me know what you think what's crack <laughs> Sharon just ruined it. Yeah. Ruined no, the intro. No, you can't the hear it. No, Sharon, honestly, you don't. You can't. You, you won't. That shit doesn't matter. I like that stuff. In podcasts, I like when you hear stuff in the background because then I start thinking like, oh, what's going on in the... You know, I listen to the Russell Brown podcast a good bit and this kid like runs into the room sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's more natural than yeah, real, it's, isn't it? It's more natural. You're not listening mm. to just two... It's it's like that's why podcasts are way cooler, I think, than like radio station stuff. Yeah. Because it's less controlled and you're literally just listening to people having a Even chat. Even like, like this is the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Like just chatting like this. In I think that's what, what it should be. Um, But obviously that's a skill that I have to learn is just... Uh, just to keep try to, it. I'm trying to make people natural. That's a good skill mm. like to have like... I don't have it, but... No, but you do. Even good. doing this now is <laughs> yeah. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. This, yeah. So uh, thanks for having us down for the training session today. Um, it's a great place you've made here. I will say that much. Yeah, no, thanks it's very such, much. Such a, even we were just talking about it there, like with the change rooms being done up, and then you're what you're planning with the shop. Like you seem like you're always trying to improve the place. But yeah. it's such a savage place. Like just environment wise. I like yeah. uh, it's funny. Like anytime anyone comes down, I always thank them for coming down. And it's not like yeah. For me, I'm just happy that people want to come down and train with me. You know that kind of way. Yeah. Um, I thought you were rubbing Will's leg there for a second. You were rubbing your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was. Uh, <laughs> that's but a cue to that, stop the podcast. That, <laughs> if I rub Will's leg, it means get me out of here. <laughs> I have no more information left. <laughs> you, yeah. Before the podcast, Will, if I ever rub your leg, <laughs> you if I get rub me your out leg, it means stop. <laughs> get me out of there. Stop what? Though? Stop the podcast. <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry. So for people listening, yeah, like so, we talked to Kieran and Will is sitting there with his hand on Kieran's leg as usual. Uh, he wasn't until you just said, "Put your hand on Kieran's leg." Nice. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, no, it's cool. It's really, really cool place. Have you thanked me for coming down? I don't know if you. Yeah, me. no, I always thank you down. I thank everyone to come down, and like you probably hear me after like every session. I'm always always like, "Did you enjoy it? Do you know, did you get something yeah. from that class?" Because you actually care yeah you know I, yeah. I do care like and I, and I love jiu-jitsu I'm passionate about it and I love coaching and that mm. and that's why like I always thank people people for coming down uh, I'm always want to make sure it was worth their while coming down mm. um, yeah and I'm just happy to be able to do what I, you know do what I love every day and yeah. I know it sounds cliche and that but like cause I spent years doing stuff that I didn't enjoy you know I nearly felt like I was yeah uh, you know when I when I first left school and <clears throat> I was working on building sites and that and I did my trade as a bricklayer and everything else um like like when i was getting up in the morning i just felt like there has to be more to life than this mm. you know there has to be more to life than this 
and getting up like at six, like just finished school, you know, 17 years of age, you're rolling out of bed at like half six in the morning, you know, and then you're going to a building site maybe an hour away and that, and I was just like, it's just, just depressed, you know, it's a tough time and then you're just eating like shite food and, mm. and you're stuck in that mindset. But one thing that never left me when I was like, say, working on the building site was training. That was the only thing that kept me sane, do you know what I mean? Just like whether it was going to the gym or it was doing jiu-jitsu or kickboxing or mm. whatever it was, that was my escape. It always was my escape. And then, you know, the other thing then when the weekend kind of rolled around, then your kind of escape at the weekend was the pub. Mm. Do you know? And that, that was it. I grew up in a small little town. Um, yeah. Where'd you grow up? Uh, well, I, I kind of, I grew up in London in the beginning. I was Did born. You? Yeah, no. So, so starting back from the beginning, I was uh, born in Limerick Re- Regional Hospital. All right. Uh, so there's a bit of a traveler in me, right? <laughs> so I was born in a, a Limerick Regional Hospital. My parents lived in Templemore uh, in Tipperary. Yeah. And... Um, so the nearest hospital was was the uh, the regional hospital in Limerick. So I was born there. The only boy, boy in the ward, as my mother tells me, every mm. single month. Uh, <laughs> the only boy the in last, the ward. For the last few years, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we ended up living in Templemore for like a year or two. Uh, and then my parents moved to London to get work because there was no work, you know, like in the uh, the, the late 80s. What did they do? Or <clears throat> My mother was just, my mother was kind of minding us and she was just kind of like, you know, she was cleaning pubs and, you know, kind of cleaning houses and stuff on the side. And my dad was working for the council over in, in London. <clears throat> and he was working for himself, like I said, uh, like on the buildings that over there. So he was a builder. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then we kind of grew up there, got into martial arts at seven years of age. My old lad put me into uh, boxing and karate, stayed at it for a few years, um, left it. Then we had to move back to Ireland for unforeseen for, uh, circumstances. How long, uh, what age were you then when you moved back? Uh, to? Moved from London to Ireland at 11. Okay. So I was 11 years of age. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and the funny thing was, I kind of fell out of martial arts at that stage, but the funny thing was when I was in London, I was kind of bullied a little bit um, for being Irish. Oh, and yeah. then, yeah, just because it, it was just that, that kind of time, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the early 90s and that with everything going on with the IRA and mm. everything else. So when I was over there, I wouldn't say like I was bullied, but... If if there, I was always the Irish kid, do you know what I mean? In London, do you know that type of thing and that and uh, so that that's and then like a lot of fights and that you know growing up like you know in the playground and everything else, not in serious or anything like that, but you know a few fights and that and then um, came back to Ireland and then had to move into a little village. I'd say there's only a couple of thousand people in the village in Offaly. It's called uh, Kilcormach. Yeah, uh, my dad and my parents said to us, "Look, we're only here for a holiday. We'll we'll end up kind of moving." you know somewhere else or whatever and uh so when we moved when we moved to ireland then i was kind of picked on because i was english in a sense do you know what i mean so and i think that's where the kind of the fighting and that came came in to play in a sense is that why so you got back into martial arts then because you you were having a hard time like yeah i got uh, do you know what i'll be honest with you like said like i was i was good at sports and that like i used to play soccer and football and and you know everything else like i was really sporty in school and that like i used to anything to get me out of class whether it was running or shot put or discus or throwing the javelin or you know i'd try to do the high jump or whatever and you know break me back if i could to get out of class cross country whatever it was like um but like uh i kind of fell out of love with martial arts and that and i felt like uh at one stage when i was kind of getting bullied and that was time for me to get back into it so Mm. i went back doing uh boxing yeah and then I stuck at that for a couple of years and kind of went away from it, start, you know, meeting women in your late teens and everything else and going to the pub mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And then got back into it in my my early or my late teens, early 20s. So you're kind of in and out, yeah. I actually, uh, at the same, same exact same age, I stopped. I started in Taekwondo when I was six. 
and then I did it till 11 and I, when I was 11 I was like I'm not doing this anymore yeah I just I, can't, I think it was actually the fear of competitions that I didn't want to do right. I used to just be so scared going to them and I just wa- remember going to Mao one day and just being like I, I, I was like I need to tell you something I like whispered in her ear because I was like real embarrassed for the rest of my family to hear and I was like I don't want to do Taekwondo anymore Right. Uh, and she was like, "Why?" And I was like, "Oh, I just, uh, oh, I just don't like it anymore." But I was, I was lying. Like I was just like, I'm just scared yeah, to do it. Yeah, but yeah. you don't know what it is when you're younger, though, don't you know? Like yeah. that, that fear. You think there's something wrong with you, now? Yeah, I just know. I, I used to get sick, and all before before competitions, and all I used to be always just getting sick. And you know, I don't know. Did you do like big tournaments stuff like that, like stadiums? I'm not sure. It, like when you do big taekwondo tournaments, anyway, there's. Just I did the hun- kickboxing ones yes. like in City West and that like yeah so there's like hundreds of people there and then you just you, your name gets called over yeah. like an intercom and then every time I hear I just remember being like oh no yes, now, it's know, my like, now it's my time kind of thing yeah um, I but, just I always just do it I don't know yeah yeah one of my big things for like saying not like like for maybe leaving martial arts when I was like in my teens and that like I was a decent little soccer player mm. Uh, like I, pl- I played like in the, the Kennedy Cup down in Limerick. It's like a big kind of schoolboys tournament. Uh, played for the Midlands team. Okay. Uh, got scouted down there. Um, had had trials for Ireland. Uh, was on the Irish development squad. Um, what, what age were you then? I was probably the Kennedy Cup team. I think like say about 14 years of age, give or take, something like that. Mm. Um, I remember doing the trials for that. I did the trials two years in a row. I got on the, got on the, the team the second year. Um, then I start training with the the Irish kind of development squad, uh, probably like say maybe from fourteen up to like sixteen. Yeah. Um, and at that point, did you think that that's what you were gonna? Yeah, do? Yeah, I thought it was gonna. I thought mm. soccer was gonna be be my thing, and that. Um, played played like right up until senior. You know, played with Burtown and you know played with the local soccer team in Kilcormac and mm. you know um, like soccer was kind of like my life. You know that you know that kind of way, and then um, yeah. I suppose in, in my later teens and that, I just kind of. Or maybe my late teens, early twenties, I kind of fell out a little bit with soccer, yeah. and then I uh, just kind of pursued martial arts. I just think I wanted to to learn how to fight, or I don't even think it was learning how to fight. I think it was trying to like I used to react to everything with anger. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't know what it was at the time. And it's only now because I'm a little bit older. I was like, all right, okay, that's what that was. And I think like for me that martial arts is after helping me like channel that. You know, so it wasn't even necessarily. Maybe I went into it looking looking to learn how to fight or you know, looking how to, to handle myself or look after myself. But I think, like, I ended up finding something else. Do you know what I mean? I ended up learning how to not fight, in a sense. Like, I didn't yeah. need to fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I kind of could recognize the emotions and why I was acting the way I was acting. And, mm. you know, and, and, and I think that came from kind of being, like, bullied. Like, when I was in England, I was I was an Irish, this and that. And when I was in Ireland, for, for when I was in school, and I was in English, this and that. And, and then everything, and no matter what kind of hard situation was thrown at me, I used to react with anger or fighting. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In a sense, because I felt like I was, because I was being picked on. Do you mm. know? And that's how I kind of dealt with, yeah, with just, everything. You're backed into a corner. Yeah. And then, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And then with jujitsu and that, like, you, um, and, and MMA as well, like, you kind of realize that, like, anger is probably the worst thing you can approach a fight with or, 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 a, like, or a role. Do you know? I remember one time I was training in Port Leash. And I was training with a lad, like he, he was very, he, like he was taller than me. He was a de- decent striker. He was better than me at striking. And uh, I, I remember like we had, we had mats thrown down in this like prefab and uh, he just like bet the head off me with his jab, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was so frustrating. And yeah. I was trying to take him down and I yeah. couldn't take him out, take him down. It's about 10 years ago. Yeah. And he just like bet the head off me with his jab. And I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to get tick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I just start like winging, right? And I mean, it, like the more I start like winging and swinging, 
Like the more he just kept like just peppering yeah. me with his jab. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, you become more predictable usually when you're like that. Yeah, but uh, sure. I thought the angry I get, you know, even like just that meathead mentality, that street yeah. mentality. Yeah. Oh, well, he won't be able to choke me or martial arts won't work on me. Yeah. The angrier you get, the better it is for your opponent. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And that was a huge lesson for me. I was like, right, well, that didn't work. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So right. I, may, I may find something Back to the that does work. So it's not mm. brute strength and it's not ignorance and it's mm. not like, you know, that meathead mentality. So what is it that I, I can I can do to, to mm. get inside and then maybe kind of get to my, my, my better area? So that was that was a big uh, a big lesson for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? To not use anger, like say when you're in a when you're in a fight or or in anything. Mm. You know, you kinda use those lessons like into into everyday life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've you've problems in your life and everything else. Like the, the worst thing you can do is I think anyway, mm. is deal with stuff with anger. And that's yeah. how I used to as a kid. Yeah. Do you know it's only the last few years I think it's jujitsu and MMA and just kind of being humbled and everything else. I think that makes you kind of go, right, okay, what's the best way to assess this approach yeah. it like a jiu-jitsu role mm, most you of the time if you take the emotion out of it it's the emotion yeah, it's, it's the emotion it. really that makes you make harsh decisions yeah. or you know react Although sometimes obviously emotion is good yeah and you need to have like passion for things it. and love and all this kind of stuff but yeah you need to be able to control anger it. anger is definitely not a good one doesn't uh, work uh, yeah do you know no um when did you have your first mma fight uh well i did the I did the mma league i oh, did you did you as well yeah, yeah i did the mma yeah. league uh and i was i was like terrified right yeah, yeah <laughs> oh there yeah you terrified yeah. you're only starting out you're only training a few yeah. months and that yeah. did like the mma league and and did you know like obviously did like say a few kickboxing mat fights you know not not yeah. hectic running yeah, like, like that points. but enough to feel the nerves and yeah they're, they're all like points match and yeah. semi-contact and that type of stuff but enough to feel the uh you know the, the nerves of, of competition and that mm. uh, my first mma fight it was funny like my first MMA fight was in... Pull that uh, a bit closer to you if you can. Yeah. Or just even pull it towards you. Or... My first MMA fight was like, say, a mm. Cage Contender 5. In the, was it? Yeah. Cage Contender 5. Uh, like, it was actually a good card. Like, Paddy Hoolan was fighting on a... Right. Uh, who else was on a... I think James Heelan might have been on a... Um, was Mul Peter around at that time? Was he Mul Peter would have been around. I'm not 100% sure if he was on it. I'd like to say he was on it. He was mm. definitely... Maybe maybe five or six or yeah. or something like that. Um, but it was against uh, Mike Allen from from Tralee and and Mike had like said obviously like way more experience to me. And I was um, on my behalf like say I was when I went into it like I was terrified. Do you know what I mean? You're in you're in the backstage and and you're in in Tala Basketball Arena. Mm. My first fight was a pro fight. Do you know what I mean? I was just going to ask you, was yeah. it, it was, your first fight was a pro fight. Yeah, yeah. but then we ended up, because you remember the way it used to be, it used to be like A class, a, B class, C class. Yeah. So then it'd be like, will you take an A class fight? Will you take a B class fight? Will you take a C class fight? Mm. So then it was just like, it was all random and that. Yeah. But uh, I remember being in, in the dress rooms and that, but looking back in hindsight, it was like nowhere near, you know, that level of jumping in as a pro and that. Now it stood mm. to me in, in the long run, as in like I learned a lot of lessons mm. the hard way. Yeah. Do you know, which I kind of carried into into my jiu-jitsu and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah. I remember hearing the cage contender music and that. They had no real... You weren't allowed your own walkout music. It was the cage contender music. Oh, right. And the music was terrifying. <laughs> it was for me was anyway. It? Well, it was like... like it was thunder just, and lightning. And like, it was kind of something You're like never that. getting it just, out. It was just a beat that was just continuous beat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I remember looking yeah. out in the cage and going, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Now, like after it, like you have that feeling of thinking... You know, I, of course that yeah. was cool it, it, yeah. I, I lost by unanimous decision right. or, or split decision one day or I can't remember um, but after then you obviously feel most alive and all that because it's terrifying and mm. I never really felt anything that scary in the sense that mm. like 
when you're used to playing team sports and that you get to hide behind another 10 people if it's soccer or 14 if it's GA or whatever else and mm. someone else takes the blame and you're like oh well that we lost that goal because of such and such or whatever and, you, and there's no real kind of looking back there was no uh, you weren't accountable yeah you know whereas fighting as you know yourself and that like it's it's personal and it's like if you make a mistake you have to own it bring it yeah. to the gym fix it and then try bring it back and, and or, or, or take another fight and try yeah. you know improve on it in a sense yeah, this is something I spoke to Will about in the podcast. I never uh, that didn't that didn't sound good, and we couldn't put it up. But uh, uh, he was saying for his transition from rugby into into fighting as well. He was like, he, he enjoyed the fact. I think if I remember right, that that there was no that tight team aspect. It's just you. Like he enjoyed what you were talking about there because you, there's no other there's no sense of other people could be kind of mm. not ruining it for you. But you know what I mean? Like you, you're literally accountable for your own yeah. for your own result, your own actions and stuff. But I think like when you talk to like an MMA lad or a Jiu Jitsu lad or you know even even like good kickboxers and everything else, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's MMA and Jiu Jitsu more. Like they're just easy to get on with. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you've trained with someone or rolled with someone of that. It's kind of like you strip all the bullshit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And there's, and like some of my favorite people in the world are lads that I've trained with or rolled with. And they might not even just be from SBG. They could be from Team Rhino or they could be from, you know, from anywhere. Like to play like Henzo Gracie's or whatever. Mm. And there's some of my favorite people in the world and some of the people that I have the best conversation with. Because I think you just strip the ego. There's no, um, there's no peacocking in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, you know, you're, you're not trying to like, you know who's who and, and what yeah. everyone can do. Yeah, and know? even if there is peacocking on the outside, as soon as you, because sometimes there is, like it's yeah, just, yeah, it's industry, just natural, it's, yeah. It's kind of like an entertainment industry as well yeah. at the same time, but it does get but once you've trained straight away, yeah. yeah. Once you train with them, yeah, you're like, right, I know you, you know me. Yeah, the majority of the time, yeah. and it kind of it strips it back, doesn't it? Do yeah. You know what I mean? You get to kind of meet the person in their purest form. Yeah, because it doesn't matter what sense. they say, or what they do, or what pictures they put up, or what anything. It doesn't matter. As soon as you start yeah. rolling, you know. Yeah. But then you have a connection. You have a better. I find that you have a better connection with people that you roll with or train with. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I can't. Like. I don't know if it's more of a jiu-jitsu thing or is it maybe an MMA and a jiu-jitsu thing. Mm. Um. But like I said, definitely with jiu-jitsu, I feel that like you kind of get closer uh, with people that you roll with. And that, yeah. Yeah. For know? sure. And even people you fight. I don't know. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. But even uh, like jiu-jitsu matches like if you're doing like a super fight or, mm. or maybe even like a regular turn especially like a super fight because you're training for that one yeah. individual and that yeah and uh kind of like, get to know them in a way or something yeah you yeah. get to know them in a way yeah. but i think you leave a piece of yourself on the mat and they do as well and then you take a piece of them and they take a piece of you yeah in a sense you know and it goes back to that thing no ego you know two you've like kind of sweat and bled nearly yeah. on top of each other yeah um so I, I find that like some of the people that i get on with the best are some people that i've either competed against or i've obviously trained with yeah you know and it might not necessarily be from the same team. Yeah, it doesn't have it to be. It could be from anywhere, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to That's be. That's the beauty, the beauty of it. isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Snap. Yeah, the ultimate equalizer. Isn't that what yeah. the Matt is? It's that, I've never heard that, yeah. Yeah, the ultimate equalizer. You know, you, you even I think Joe Rogan has a cool little uh, thing on it. Like, you can't be full of shit doing jiu-jitsu. Mm. Right, you probably can be full of shit doing jiu-jitsu, but when it comes to rolling, then you can't be full of shit. Like, yeah. I can't pretend to you that, you know, I'm, I'm very good at, like, I don't know, like hit, doing leg locks yeah. or passing. Well, you can, but it won't go very well. It won't go very well, yeah. As soon as we yeah. start rolling, you're like, well, yeah. that, that didn't work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's where it's like that thing yeah. where they say like, a, be humble in jiu-jitsu or, or you'll be humbled. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah. Do you remember any like specific motivation when you first, first started to fight or do you remember why? <clears throat> like, would you remember a specific kind of, this is why I want to do this? Or Yeah, I think like in the beginning... It was, uh, 
I remember actually it, right, So I got into it Because I felt like I was being bullied Do you know what I mean mm. when, Like I said When I was in England And, and then in Ireland And that mm. But I remember I started off uh, Training MMA In Port Leash uh, The gym was called Tua de Danon Oh yeah Yeah but that, Is that That rings a bell That's yeah, Tua de Danon still going or uh, They ended up Changing it Or merging with Team Rhino Ah uh, that's what it yeah. was Yeah um, John Ging used to run it Yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah yeah I remember like say, I used to come home from, from school And that when I was younger And I'd be watching like say uh, like UFC on Bravo and I'd be watching like say Cage Rage on Extreme Sports and that mm. and uh, kind of meant to be doing my homework but watching you know watching like yeah. MMA or something Yeah. and uh, I, I was like you know I'd love to learn to do that and it wasn't even necessarily to, to get into the cage and, and fight and that you know a part of me thought it would be cool to be an MMA fighter yeah of course you know, it looks there's, cool there's, and, there's and, and just yeah. look tough and, and yeah. you know everything else and they're all like a lot of them are in good shape and yeah. you know and especially when you're a young lad looking up to you know these lads and that yeah it's in some way glamorous almost. yeah it's glamorous like, it's like, yeah you it's see like, the lights and the that, walkout dude yeah yeah the music and everything else and you know the, the belt wrapped around their waist and everything else so there was definitely that um, it probably comes from like did you watch wrestling when you were oh you did sorry you told me you did yeah watch some so, wrestling like, that when I was younger so I think that as well because of the whole thing with the belts and all that makes you go oh, I want to be that yeah. dude as well like, cause boxing you, I used to watch or watch a lot of boxing yeah. my dad was a big boxing fan and my dad my dad uh, like he he did a lot of martial arts as a kid and that like said mm. um, like right up until like maybe in his late 30s and that right. you know um, yeah. late 30s maybe early 40s um, he was doing martial arts yeah. and I remember like even when we were living in London he'd get his gear ready and he'd throw in his like his belt and his gi into uh, into oh, yeah. his bag now he wasn't doing I was just going to uh, ask you was he doing jiu-jitsu now no, no I think it was like uh, he, he did like boxing and he did like say short like short can karate yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know because that's the way that's probably what was only like available at that time, yeah. back in the day uh, you know what I mean would have been still very new then, very yeah, new yeah. Been, yeah Um, but like uh, he actually said to me that they did like a, a type of MMA session or like or maybe like a, it was a grappling session they were saying yeah that when the UFC first came out, like he, my dad was working on the doors in London and that, and uh, worked in a few rough spots, like like in Peckham and uh, yep. like, you know a few different places and that. But he was saying that some lad came down. He was like, "Look, there's this new thing. It's this MMA thing." So this would have been like '93 to '95 mm. or something like yeah. the early '90s in London, and uh, they were grappling and that. And your man was trying to show them bits and pieces that he was learning. But the way they used to start back uh, grappling was back to back. And then just so you turn start back to back sitting on the ground and then go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is yeah. which would be you know probably cool and that. But, uh, yeah. Do they do that now in some? Jiu- I think they might do in some different types of traditional martial arts or something like that, or yeah. maybe jujitsu as well. I'm not too sure. I haven't seen it, but it's just, was that one of the Eddie Bravo? No, I feel, I feel like I've done that like back to back, or maybe it's just a drill or something. Yeah, maybe something, something like just for a bit of fun or something. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, but, but, with with the MMA and that, I just kind of I think I just got into it to learn how to defend myself. So that and, is, yeah. Yeah, and actually going back to Portlaoise, so I started training in, in Portlaoise and uh, there was one one lad there, he was actually, uh, used to fight under John in SPG, his name was Rob Quinn, Rob okay. the dog, dog Quinn. And I remember Rob, he was he, like, he was small enough, I think he was like maybe like a, like a featherweight or something mm. like that. And um, like he fought, and I remember he won a belt and the bite, a few of my friends went up to watch him fight. And then Rob bought, like brought his belt into the gym in, in Port Leash. Now, when we say gym, it was like literally a, a mockra hall where we used to um, <laughs> throw the mats down off the stage. There was yeah, barely yeah. any lighting in it. We used to walk into the toilets with no flip-flops on. And I don't even think we washed the mats or anything. We didn't even know about no. like, hygiene or anything yes. like that back then. Infections and stuff, yeah. Um, but when I seen him and that and seen him fight and, and, that, and I was like, you know, that'd be class. I'd love to do that. I'd love to, because just even the way like we were looking up to him and that and mm. you know everything else. Like, he was the man, you know, at yeah. the time and that. And uh, he used to show us a few bits and pieces. And then 
Tom Egan used to come down to. Do you remember Tom Egan? Yep. yep I think yep. he was the first Irish lad to fight in the UFC. Fought in yeah. UFC 93, didn't he? Yeah. So Tom had come down and Tom was like a god. Do you know, there was actually meant to be another Irish lad actually that fought before him. Was he a lad from Northern Ireland or something? Colin, Colin Robinson, oh, Robinson yeah, or something? Yeah. Um, so he was the what, first one. One of the first anyway. Do you know, to, I think uh, your man Colin did it in Northern Ireland or something, did yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. So he's the first Southern Irish guy to fight yeah, in the UFC. Right. Um, but he came down to us and he was literally like a god. He showed us a single leg and we thought, well, this is unreal. <laughs> and he might have been like, say, blue belt level, yeah. give or take at the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he was showing, like, you know, different striking and showing us wrestling and everything else. And then it just kind of built for us. We just, there was just a group of us that like were just so passionate about martial arts and, and we kind of uh, fell in love with it. Yeah. And that was it. And, and I just never quit. And at what point did you join SPG then? Or? So when, when, I, when I joined... Uh, the gym in Port Leash John Ging that used to run it he was under John Kavanagh I think he might have been a blue belt under John Kavanagh right. and him and Rob Quinn used to head up to SPG ah, so the connection was already some there. evening so they had, the, they, had the, they had the connection there so then like early on um, I used to say work on the building site get up early in the morning go home um, like say drive up to or, or get my dinner drive up to Dublin and I train like say either in Long Mile Road uh, like maybe just say for example a Tuesday and Thursday and then the rest of the days would be in Port Leash yep. but then I wasn't getting home till like 12 o'clock at night or half 12 at night mm. and then I was getting up early again in the morning and then we were going going to work and on a building site and, and whatever else um, so then we, the team just kind of started building in Port Leash and, and then we just kind of like stayed in Port Leash and, and we were kind of still like there was like an unofficial affiliation with SBG yeah. and I think there was a little bit of a falling out uh, it was over a fight like in one of the Celtic Gladiator fights years ago not a major or anything like that just kind of a couple of lads stopped talking and then we were just in Port Leash and then you know obviously uh, we, we stayed down there and we were doing what we are doing and that and uh, and then a few years later then I just felt that like uh, I had to go to SBG to, to try get to you know to get better and get different bodies and that so that's when I went back to Long Mile Road and kind of took it took it serious and yeah and went from there and that you know and I kind of never looked back yeah I think that's where I met your first Long yeah Mile. I remember yeah I remember doing a positional session which it was like I think it was like my first or second positional session there right I was getting mauled on the wall no way uh, and then uh, you were just being like ah oh, yeah you'll get it and, and uh, I still haven't but uh, still, <laughs> I got, well it was nice words though it was yeah, nice yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, trying to build but, you up a little bit <laughs> yeah no it was uh, no it was good actually because I was real fr- I remember that day I was real frustrated I was just like everyone's just like pick you know the positions when you're starting on the ground with your back to the wall and your legs are straight and they're just holding like they yeah, just took yeah. you down and just trying to get up with all you lads it was like you and like Johnny Dargan and Keena yeah, Rock like- yeah Keena Rocked and and then Queeley would have been there and Mole Peter and it was like it was real Kiefer kind of Kiefer, joined that time didn't yeah he? it was really just um, yeah really tough like especially because yeah. I I had I would I had done I had had two MMA fights when I joined SPG uh, but like amateur ones yeah, but the, first, the amateur one was like a pro. You know what I mean? Back yeah. back in the day, it was, it was a bit weird. No shin yeah. pads. And there was no strikes ahead on the ground, but you're wearing pro gloves or something. Yeah, yeah. The weird, weird yeah, stuff. The rules are all different. In, in a ring and all this. But, um, yeah. But even like going into that gym, I felt that like, well, you'd be nervous going into it, number one, because you yeah. know, like on a, on a Tuesday or Thursday, yeah. you're doing 10 fives. Yeah, yeah. And the door was closed. And yeah. then like, and it was sweaty and, and it was you couldn't slippy. Sit all around. And it was, if you sat all around, it was like it was too small to sit around. Yeah, because yeah, everyone's just you're just it was so close closed in that you just yeah. if you, people would be looking at you if you were sitting down and or taking a rest. Animals yeah. in there just like battering you. Yeah, Do you know. Yeah. But then it kind of it kind of stood to you like in a sense. Ah, yeah. Do you know, it makes everything else easier. Yeah, that, after that, that little cage upstairs, yeah. the smallest cage. It, felt, it, it got smaller <laughs> when you got into it. And the, my first day there, he put me in there with with. 
who was it? It was Franz first. Because uh, I think just just for a bit of fun, Franz boxed the face off me because Franz is a great boxer. Yeah. Like, and then he put me in with Johnny. Johnny uh, Dargan. Johnny Dargan. And like just, you know, what he's like with his flurries yeah, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And then uh, and he burst my nose open and I was wearing like a white T-shirt. And I was, this is my, literally my first session that John had let me come to when I came downstairs. And he was like, he was like, ah, uh, very good. And I was like, oh, no, it's uh, I said something. I can't remember. I was like, oh, yeah, Johnny did this. And he's like. It's not cool if it's your own blood. <laughs> and that, was, that was his like, welcome to the team. He's like, good job. It's not cool if it's your own yeah, blood yeah. though. That was a cool spot. Like even Deadly. like walking in there, right? You'd be a little bit nervous and that. Yeah. And, but like even but like for, for the, for the pro team sessions, mm. you know, as in you, it was like, a, it was, I wouldn't say it's like a fight, but mm. it was, you know, you come out fairly battered, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like when you walked into it and you seen all the belts on the wall and you see the lads pictures next to the belts and that, yeah. it was something that you wanted to, you know, like it inspire you. Yeah. you know to work hard on that. and it felt like yeah. everyone was working towards a, a purpose and a dream and yeah you know a goal and it just felt bigger than just mma yeah so that, that really that for me I, I like i took a lot from that yeah do you know and then just just being around people that believed like anything was possible yeah at that time you know? when i joined connor was just getting into the ufc i think he just was about to have his first fight in the ufc right. or just had his first fight in you so that like the vibe in there was just immense like mm. it was just crazy because everyone was like Oh my God! There's a path. There's a path developing here. Yeah. So it's just that vibe. Well, you can even see in the early there. days, like when you were watching the likes of, like Cage Contender and that, and like said lads from SVG would like literally like be like nine and nine on the card, and nine of them would win. You know this type of thing, and then they'd go to another show, and mm. might be two SVG lads fighting for a belt, and then they'd, like mm. they'd win two, but like they were unstoppable. Yeah, people used to be scared of the name. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, when yeah. I wasn't in SVG, when I had those other two, if you'd see it on a card, you go, that lad's going to be good. Yeah. And that was it. And everyone thought that. That was just yeah. like, they're going to be good. Yeah. Kind of thing. But I remember like, say the cage contenders, like fights and that, like it was like eight or nine lads on a card. Mm. And then like eight or nine of them would win. Yeah. And it was just normal. And then, then they did the same thing. Like when they went to cage warriors, you know, it'd be three or four or five or whatever, whatever be on the card. And then the lads would like, the lads would all win, mm. you know, most of the time. Yeah, and then like said, like they were fighting for belts on Cage Warriors, and then they were like met it into the UFC, and obviously likes of Connor not fighting for belts in the UFC, and it just kept building, but building, built, yeah. built from like nearly like a grassroots yeah, for level, sure. and grassroots back then is obviously a diff a lot different to what they're doing now with mm. you know IMAF and and IMA and all that type of stuff, but grassroots back then was kind of like more or less pro or A or B or C class, wasn't it? Yeah, do you know? But it was definitely inspiring to watch, and I think like. You know, I think it'll it'll go down in the history books and yeah, you know, and everything else. And then, how many fights did you have actually, like MMA wise? Uh, I kind of between amateur and pro, I had I think about maybe twelve or fourteen right. fights or something like that. But like mm. they were all, like like I was saying, they were like A, B, and C, and then the the promoter would come to you and it'd be like, right, do you want to do this fight? But there's no elbows. And then, or right. do you know? Remember that was the B class fights, yep. and then the A yep. class fights was was everything was yeah. elbows. And I think uh, A class was like five minute rounds and b class in some places were four minute rounds and c class was three minute rounds right. do you remember that no not really I don't yeah because i did times. a and b and, right. and c and mm-hmm. i think it was like five minutes four minutes and three minutes right. and yeah. i think a had elbows yeah i know yeah a had elbows b b had no elbows, no elbows. and then c, and then was, c was like was, no was no c, no c was strikes on the ground and it was uh the big gloves bigger gloves but right. then what they brought in then was they did like c class with no strikes on the ground and yeah. strikes on the ground. So they changed it. That was D class though. Was it D, was it? Yeah. Right. It was so it was four different. Was no strikes on the ground. Right. C class was like amateur, but you could knee. 
I think you could even need to. It was fair. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah you could. Yeah. Oh, there was something like there was something like that. Yeah, there was no knees to the head in C or D or something. But then there was and as it goes. Like right before I fought, they changed it all a bit and they brought in this thing that if anyone who fought amateur or sorry, anyone who fought B class or above was technically a pro. Then. Oh right, okay. So I think in like 2011, 2012, this all changed. Right. And then all every amateur fight I had were the old C class rules. Right. So I know what the C class is because that's what. Right, okay. So career. then you could stay at that until you were ready to... Yeah, to and then in 2016, they changed the amateur completely. And it's yeah. more like you wear shin pads now and you do that. It's better now though, isn't it, in a sense? Probably, you know? but like, I consider the fucking C-class fights I had nearly like pro fights. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. Much of a difference. No. Elbows were the only The time thing. and the elbows. Yeah, and the size of the gloves. Yeah. That was it. But those little gloves hurt though, don't they? Yeah. I got <laughs> bursted more times in the gym with them little gloves. They yeah. didn't protect me. <laughs> yeah. No, and then, they're, like they're harder to grapple with as well those seven ounce gloves oh, so yeah. even for the positional sparring like I used to love wearing the I'd say everyone was the same but the four ounce gloves yeah because they were closer yeah, to yeah because you can actually yeah just using your hands you know like for rear naked chokes and yeah that type of stuff like Darce chokes and, and everything else and that but um yeah and sometimes the, on the seven ounce the tone was covered up which is good for your tone because it's you know crack it off people's heads or whatever yeah. but it would make it a bit more awkward for grappling or whatever yeah and your hands would get stuck more on, on the big know? gloves yeah, on the bigger gloves yeah, yeah. Especially say if you're if you're on someone's back or something, you're holding their wrist something like that. It's very hard to you know. It's an extra element of not being able to get your hand out yeah. or something like that, isn't it? So then, uh, basically, my last fight then as a pro it was your last fight with Johnny Jitsu. Yeah, it was that one. Yeah, yeah, and we were meant to do it again on on Bam and that, and then like uh, just the stars didn't align. I was basically right. uh, do, doing a few things and kind of got yeah. injured. And I, to be honest with you, I think it was kind of falling out of love with. I was just going to ask you at that stage uh, from the, from an outside perspective. Yeah. I felt I like I don't I don't know you never know what's going yeah. on with people, but I felt I felt like you fell out of love a little bit. I think in the, I, in the same way that I I yeah. did as well, you know. And not not as a not as a coach or as a as a fan or anything like that, but yeah. as in the sense that it just I, I just I felt that like say after a couple of losses, which which actually like to this day I kind of put down to uh, like helping me me with my success in grappling. Okay, it was like the. Like when I ended up like say losing say my last fight and that, um, it, like it obviously it it took it took a lot of time to I don't know to to figure out where I wanted to go and mm. it was it was the main reason was because like I was always into sport uh, like it was very very competitive do you know um, I didn't really want to go back to soccer I wanted to do an individual sport mm. so then I just chilled out for a little bit and I just started like attacking grappling like I just kept like say rolling 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 I don't know if that took my mind away from MMA or whatever and then I start competing in jiu-jitsu and that, mm. that kind of took my mind out, took my mind off it can I ask two questions yeah one like <laughs> do you want me to understand them to me and I'll ask them because <laughs> yeah. they won't be able to hear you yeah. you know? right. um, oh no you oh yeah go on like do you feel like the shitness and the pain of having lost gave you the motivation to become as good as you are at jiu-jitsu now and two is it still a motivating factor you still feel that fucking pain does it still hurt and does it still drive you yeah 100 percent. that's like, a good ass that's, question so yeah that is a good question and you know what it, uh michael jordan has a little quote it was like um it, it was like his 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 failure gave him strength yeah and like that to I, me yeah it's like a, i i what is it i fail yeah I failed that is why i succeed or something like that yeah, yeah and to me that that like sums up my kind of my journey so far yeah do you know um that literally lit a fire under me. Like people laughed. That specific fight or just... People or laughed from a different... Like, you know, from being in a small town and that. Like people laughed at me and for losing. Do you know what I mean? And people kind of said, 
like not necessarily to my face, but said he may give that up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or do you know what I mean? What's he doing? You may give that up and this and that and whatever else. Yeah. I've now, had it. I've now had look it. at me. Yeah. You can see me in two and a half weeks on UFC Fight Pass. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Not <laughs> yeah. doing MMA and that, but it, yeah. it was failure to get me strength. Yeah. And that's the truth. And I know, I know I'm kind of messing there and that. Uh, and that still does drive me. So to answer the second part of the question, that's why I do my three and four every day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because my goal is to become a world champion and create world champions. And I know people say that, but I honestly don't think there's too many people that work as hard as me, as hard as me, maybe, right? Maybe on the mat, some some people might and whatever else, but no one sees the stuff I do when I go home. Do you know? It mm. doesn't stop. Like my brain doesn't switch off. And I think that from from losing and, and you know, a couple of fights and, and whatever else, that definitely lit a fire under me. Like, sir, how would you get, so why would I get out of bed and do what I do every yeah. morning if, if it wasn't a, a higher fire, purpose yeah. or, or you know a different type of motivation so mm. uh, in, in like in a way like you know that's that's my journey that's my lesson and that type of stuff um, I got to learn a lot like say when I was when I was any of the fights that I kind of lost in that looking back in hindsight I realised like it was normal to feel that way yeah do you know what I mean and the way you get rid of the, the, I wouldn't say get rid of those feelings but the way you get comfortable with those feelings is keep putting yourself in those situations so like maybe if you're an amateur do you know what I mean like do loads of fights you know do loads of jiu-jitsu matches get comfortable with being uncomfortable I know that's kind of cliche yeah. and that but for me now like if I wake up in the morning of like say Polaris or something like that you know you, you get you know you get the, the little butterflies but the competitive butterflies as in today's the day I get to show the world what I can do yeah. do you know what I mean and then I use that as fuel do you know, I remember Tom King said to me uh, one time last year, we were over um, uh, at Grapple Fest in Liverpool and it was weird. I wasn't getting nervous. And then uh, like I, I stepped off the plane and, and you know, I felt I wasn't getting nervous and I was in, not not nervous, but you know, the butterflies, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, day, the day of the match and that. And then uh, I remember we went, we went for food or something like that. And I said to Tom, I was just, to get, just about to get my last meal and that. And I said to Tom, uh, oh, I can feel the butterflies now. Because I said it to him. I said, it's weird. I've no butterflies or anything like that. And then he just said like a little saying and it just stuck in my head. And I even used it with my own ads today. He said, no nerves, no magic. Do you know what I mean? So now it. when I get those little butterflies running mm -hmm. like that, I'm like, right, now it's go time. Yeah. Now I'm ready to go. And then I just have my own little system in place that works for me. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the week of the match, the day of the match. Do you know what I mean? The hour before the match. Yeah. And uh, I just have a little system and, and I've kind of, but because of everything that I've went through, it's made it's made me a strong a stronger competitor on the mat. Mm. I I think a better coach, and it's kind of made me like deal with stuff better in life. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of made me like a better person. I would, I'm not perfect or anything like that, but it's definitely after helped me a lot. Mm. Like that, like how could you not be humbled? You know, after you know if you if you lose a fight or you know a fight that you should have won, like some of those fights that I lost, like it was me that lost it, not taking anything away from my know, opponents or anything like that. I was I was kind of one of those lads at the time where I was in the gym. I was like fucking like I wouldn't say world champion in the gym, but I was good in the gym. You know that I way. Felt and then, it, yeah, yeah. I, and then, I, I and, but then like I wasn't able to translate it like in into a fight. And then sometimes when I was able to turn on in a fight, I was like for some for whatever reason, I just kind of had that attitude as like no fuck it today today I'm not losing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I've learned a lot of lessons, and I'm able to look back in hindsight and say that was normal to feel that way. You're meant to feel that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then you use it as fuel or you can use it. Yeah. Do you the know nerves I mean? you're talking about. Yeah, the nerves yeah. Or, or, yeah. or butterflies or, or the self-doubt yeah. and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, I remember I heard like a little quote from Vitor Belfort and it kind of stuck in my head as well. It was like, you can't control the doubt, but you can control the outcome of the doubt. Yeah, this is it. Do you know what I mean? It's all you can control, really. It's all you yeah. control. And even mm. like doing sessions with like uh, the likes of 
Uh, remember we used to do the the sports there was like sports psychology up in uh, mm-hmm. like there was like little things we could do with Dave Mullins at yeah the time. with Dave yeah like Dave helped me out like a good bit as well like say not I wouldn't say necessarily straight away because when when like definitely helped right yep. he definitely helped but I think it was looking back in hindsight it, like it, it went into my subconscious over the years do you know what I mean like okay. I was I was looking for a quick fix now yeah just tell me the words I need to say to myself and then I'm going to go in there and be a different person mm. but looking back and you know looking back on that on the journey and that it's something that you have to go go through and, and it's it just takes time mm. and now I'm I think I'm doing jiu-jitsu maybe I don't know maybe 11 years or more or something like that and uh, and I've learned a lot I'm a completely different person to I was to walk through the door to, to now yeah. I nearly didn't walk through the door on my first jiu-jitsu session. Mm. It was actually an MMA session was my first. I went to, I, I was actually working on the building site in, in Mount Rat. So that's a little place in, uh, in Leash. And uh, like, it was a terrible job. Like said, so, you know what I mean? We were like rained off half the time because I was, I was laying bricks. Yep. And that was just fin- after fin- nearly finishing. I think I just, at that stage I was qualified or whatever else. But with bricklaying in Ireland and uh, um, there's, there's some days where you, you could be standing under a scaffolding for the whole day or half the day and you're not laying blocks because it's pissing rain that's it yeah. you know so you might get two days wages or three days wages like it's a, it's a tough trade you know um but i remember talking to a crane driver there and he was like oh sure one of my mates does that in port leash or whatever his name's john ging or whatever and i said can you get me his number or whatever and he said yeah i'll get you his number or whatever and uh and he gave me his number and i text him and then john turned around and said to me training in the mocker hall in port leash port leash at seven o'clock or whatever else and i was fairly broke at the time because i was just trying to you know it was, i think it was it um I can't remember what was going on. I just think it was just just the way the way we were working and that, and just being a bricklayer there was no steady wage or anything like that. But um, I ended up driving over, borrowing a car, driving over to Port Leash, and I came to this mocker hall and I heard lads inside like banging out some heavy metal music. It was a lot rougher back then, yeah. and there was lads hitting pads, and when they were hitting pads, they're you know making a lot yeah. of noise. It was real aggressive. Yeah. And I had my hand on the door and I had my bag on my back, and I was like, oh, you know what? Fuck it, I'm not going in or whatever. Like. Do you know really? yeah do you know it's like that kind of thing when you get to a cliff like yeah. and to jump into water sometimes you just have to say fuck it yeah. jump did you go in it was exactly like yeah. that so i was like oh no and then i was like had my hand on the handle and i was just like fuck it and then i t- pulled that handle mm. down and it changed my whole life and if i had walked away i don't know where it would where it'd be now and i know that sounds cliche but no, i had, no, I had no, a few a few tough times not like say when we when we got when we lost our jobs in the recession and that and that's when i opened up the gym was in the recession so I'm kind of skipping from, you know, beginning yeah, I know, to end. I know, to yeah, it's all good, don't worry, yeah. Yeah, but, um, and like, you know, you, you go through a hard time, like everyone goes through a hard time, you're trying to find yourself. Yeah. I was at weird age, you know, I was doing jujitsu and MMA for a few years, I was like maybe 25 years of age. Yeah. Like 25, 26 is a weird age, it definitely was for me anyway. Mm. You're looking at people just qualified from college and, you know, people are maybe starting to go to Australia or yeah. at the time the big thing was going to Australia and I had loads of friends that went to Australia and some of them then start going to Canada and that. And I was looking up actually going to Australia and uh, didn't have a bean. You know, I didn't didn't have like said two pennies to rub together um in the middle of the recession. I was on I was on the dole. I was trying to go back to college to to to, to you know try you know learn something that so I did like a, a sports massage yeah. and and yeah. like a gym instructor type of thing. We ended up get, getting caught by, by the social welfare doing a private course, which I kind of borrowed money from the credit union to pay for on my last two weeks when I was doing the exam. So they cut my dole from 180 down to 110 or 130 or something oh. like that. So that's what I was living on. And I mean, I was in a dark place at the time. Yeah, okay. Because you know, I didn't have anything, you know, and, and I was, you know, suffering with depression and everything else. I didn't know what it was. I just thought, like, the whole world is against me. And, and was, anything I could... Was this after your last fight? 
No, this, this is, is during, kind of in the middle of it. Yeah. This is in the middle of it, yeah. Mm. You know, struggling, driving up and down to Dublin, with, like, you know, the likes of Charlie and Mulpeter and, you know, didn't have a penny. Do you know what I mean? And then at the time then, like, not even recognising it, just thinking, you know, back back a few years ago, it's like, don't talk about it. You know, bury bury that shit and and like yep. a good Irish man, you yep. know, don't talk about your feelings. Yeah. But that's not the right way to to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Um. So, so what do you think then? The turn. What what was the turning point then? The turning point for me. Yeah. Um. I just start. I. Do you know what? I. I started to to go to jujitsu competitions and I and I was winning, and I was like, right, okay. I like you know being from a small town or wherever else. I go Asher. It was only these three or four lads that were there in the day. Do you know what I mean? Or it was only that competition. And then I'd go win another competition. I was like, ah, well, sure, I only had three matches. or Do you know? But then looking around, everyone else had like two, three, four matches. And you know, and, and that was going on for a while. And then people were like, you know, you're, you're, actually, you're actually good at this or whatever else. And then I started doing the, the super fight kind of thing. You know, as in like doing like mm. uh, different types of super fights, like with CRC or different types of shows and that type of thing. So then I'd, I'd go against one lad and then I'd beat him and then beat another lad and beat another lad and... It's kind of like undefeated then in super fights. And I was like, I like that aspect of it because it was similar to MMA in the sense that you prepare for one person, you do the walkout, you go to a ring or a cage or whatever it is yeah. and you do your match. And then and sometimes if you if, if you get to a certain level, you can obviously win a belt and everything else. So I had that yeah, MMA make a little bit of money aspect, as well. obviously without getting punched in the face. MMA is way more intense. But for me, it was that competitive side. I was able to keep that. And then I started building from there, and then I, I you know, I won the Battle of the Vine in 2017. They mm. branded it as like uh, Irish champion kind of thing. Yeah, they, this mm. is gonna. They did a, an open weight Grand Prix. Uh, it was a thousand quid for the winner. You win the belt. There were 16 men in it, and um, and I ended up winning that, and I beat everyone by rear naked choke. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and but I just still it was that kind of thing where I was, um, you know, I just kind of put it down to ah, it was only that the, this lad or that lad or whatever. Yeah. So or I was lucky in that, but then. To be honest with you, like Tom King gave me a lot of confidence. I remember mm. he went on a he went on a podcast himself, and and I don't know if he knows this or not, but he he turned around and said that I think that Kieran Davern is the dark horse of Irish Jiu Jitsu, and I think in the next couple of years people are going to realize how good he really is. And whether that was true or not, like hearing that Still, that gave yeah. me confidence, especially from Tom. Yeah, like, from Tom, like, Tom, like a, almost Tom's like a father figure kind of thing. Yeah, almost, like I have yeah. huge respect for Tom, you know, and, mm. and he's helped me out a lot, and he still does help me out. And everything else and, and and you know I, I admire him you know for, for like his coaching skills and him as a competitor and everything else but like hearing that from him you know it, it kind of it gave me more confidence do you know what i mean in myself and that yeah brilliant. and then i remember one time i was kind of uh i was cornering charlie over at um he was fighting in a tournament in glasgow and it was for like say 10 grand it was like an eight or ten man tournament or something the like one that. with uh johnny jitsu and john phillips and all yeah living. yeah yeah and 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 charlie charlie was zero and zero as a pro and they they drew out they did a draw at the weigh-ins and I knew he was gonna get John, John Phillips. Phillips. John Phillips yeah. had the biggest record there and I knew he was gonna get him. Yeah. Like just had a had a had a feeling, you yeah. know what I mean? And uh so cut a long story short, this is this kind of when I was like at crossroads in my MMA kind of uh, you know, journey and uh, and I didn't know if I was gonna fight or not fight and everything else. And I remember um talking I, I remember vaguely and I don't even know if it was exactly said this way or it was the way I wanted to interpret it. Uh, so I'm not too sure what way it actually happened, but I remember John John Kavanagh saying to Charlie, like he was like, you know, if Kieran wanted to, he could put his head down and he could go off and be like a jiu-jitsu world champion. And that's all he needed to say and whether he, he there was any weight behind it or not. That's what you just overheard him saying that or? Something like that. Or yeah. or Charlie said to me, John said John it or, said or something. Or, I remember it vaguely, yeah. but I just remember those words. 
and, and 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 I don't even know if that's like it could have been a whole conversation, and that's what I took from the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, that happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but, like that was that was kind of said, and, and it was more or less like saying, Do you know, I I I think that maybe he should like like he if he put his head down and did jujitsu and that he could probably be a jujitsu world champion or something. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know how much weight was behind it or not, but I I took that as the as the gospel in a sense, and I was yeah. like, right, I'm gonna run with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it was accumulation of everything and winning tournaments and building confidence and then going, you know what? Fuck it. I'm actually decent at this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then then uh, just every every competition, I just start getting, you mm. know, more confident. And, yeah. and But you were putting in the work. Like you yeah. you said, when, so when you finished up MMA, you said you were you just went all, all, all in, in jiu-jitsu. on jiu-jitsu. And that means, like, I remember speaking to uh, your brother, when we were open swords that day when Will was there as well and I was and we we rolled and I was like Jesus Kevin's very good isn't he and yeah, it was a purple at time yeah, yeah. yeah and then Mike was like he literally doesn't step off the mat yeah he's just on he's just there every, and I'm still like, the same so today. what were you doing like what was your how often were you training uh, like you know the way people say like two two a day and that like mm. and, I'm, and I'm still like this right obviously mm. there's days where you'll have less training and you'll have rest days and everything else but I don't do two a day I do three and four a day Mm. And then it's not even what I do on the mat. It's what I do off the mat. Do you know, I come down to come down to the gym and like, say, for example, if I'm doing a drilling session, I'll or- organize some drilling partners, not a coaching class or anything like that. Right. I'll have everything kind of wrote down or everything like, say, uh, like everything in my mind, what I'm going to drill before I come to the session. So it might be, say, for example, leg locks or passing or back attacks or whatever it might be. And then we just drill that, like, say, for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And then when I go when I go to uh, the rolling class or, or you know, the, the harder session, the comp team sessions and that, like, my goal tonight is just to work on pressure passing. Or my main goal tonight is to work the Kimura trap stuff. Or my goal is to work, you know, uh, put myself in the bad positions and escape in the back or, or whatever else. Or maybe even mm. give your neck a little bit for guillotine and work on escaping guillotines and, and that type of stuff. And then my conditioning on top of it, you know. Mm. And then and then I might even roll in the morning, get a few rounds in the morning. That It never stops. And then when I go home, like I'm, I'm researching for the next class or the following mm. class. I'm watching matches and watching instructional and watching my own matches. I could watch my own matches back and... Tom and, and Sid and the lads that have done my corner, they'll tell you, I could watch my own matches back easily 500 times. I don't sleep after matches. You know, I don't, I literally, like, say this Polaris match come, coming up in two and a half weeks' time, I probably won't sleep for two or three days after that, like, especially if I get the win. Do you know what I mean? I'll just be on such a such a high from that. Like, mm. now when I say not sleep for two or three days, I'm getting little sleep in between. You're getting like twos and threes and four hours a night rather than your your eight hours type of thing. But I could be up till five in the morning, six o'clock in the morning watching a match, you know, oh. after a competition and that. But uh, I, I just, I just, I just love jujitsu. That's what I was going to say. Is it, do you think it's just out of just pure passion and love it's for It's pure the, passion. The and then it's going back to the thing we're on about. Do you know that, that, uh, mm. like it was my failure that gave me strength in yeah. a sense. And then like, it, it sounds cliche and that, but there, there is no success without failure. Is there? Do you know, I don't no. think there is anything such as a, like a phenom. I think like right the, the stars align in a different way for different peoples. Yeah, of and that you know have you ever read the book Outliers? Yeah, yeah, that's I'll a great book. Well. Yeah. And, you know, if you read that, then you kind of realize right, it's a it's a certain things that happen in your life to kind of bring you to a place where where yeah. we are today and that. So yeah, um, I, I I had a choice after I lost lost those like say fights. I could have turned around and buried my head in the sand and and went to Australia and got fat and drank beer and turned around and said oh I did MMA and you know maybe lift a few weights and yeah. peacocked a bit around the place. Or I could say right. I'm gonna put myself out there. Do you know what I mean? And then and and fuck what other people say. Yeah. Do you know? Like, cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It's how you see yourself. Yeah. Really, isn't it? 
Yeah. And, and I suppose I learned the lessons the hard way, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for for anything else. Yeah, just one more question there. Like, it's pretty obvious you fucking genuinely believe, and I think anyone who's rolled with you and has trained around you feels that belief that you're going to do fucking very significant things in grappling, you know, for Ireland within Europe, you know. How did you instill that belief? I just find that, like, uh, I think it's an accumulation of everything. Like, looking back in hindsight, I don't think it was, like, one thing. I think it was, like, working with Dave, David Mullins. I think it was, like, reading, like, the law of attraction read i'll tell you what actually there was a book i read it was called the power of the subconscious mind okay right and i read that in the like this kind of going off subject a little bit i read that in the the depths of me being like in depression which i didn't even know i was depressed you know when i just thought oh, i just got dealt a shit hand in life and and this is the way it is as in you know no work living in a small town no opportunities and blah 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 and i read that book the power of the subconscious mind and it literally changed my life so that's when i opened up the gym do you know what, what I mean? was it in it that I, I just think about like just about the difference between the subconscious and the conscious mind and positive thinking and, and mm. cutting negativity out of your life and you know just just general general type of stuff and that so I think it was like the accumulation of that I think like winning and losing and and then like say uh, meeting different people and then like I was always like I said to you I was always kind of putting it down to Asher it was only that lad I was competing against or or, or put yourself down and yeah I was putting myself down rather than taking credit Mm. And I kind of still do that in a in a similar way, but I have like I have belief in myself. You know, when I go to a match, there's no doubt in my mind mm. that I'm coming there to win. And and if and, and if I do lose, then I'll shake his hand and say, "Fair play to you." You know, you, you know, you you bet the best version. Yeah. Do you know? Um. So I don't I don't know if there's like one thing that kind of that did it for me. It was kind of like a, a few different things. <laughs> Can I jump in? The Will the Will Flory podcast. <laughs> um. Do you think like? You spent the last 20 minutes describing the work you do. And like, this is one thing I kind of wanted to drill in as well. Like, it's literally, you've spent fucking hours and hours and hours doing mm. this. And we can give all the emotional reasons you had the motivation to do that. Mm. But at the end of the day, you did it. Mm. And nobody can take that. Like, that skill set doesn't just happen. No. It's time and effort over a fucking long period of time. And the problem, like, you know, so many people want to do things like this and fucking want to achieve highly. And they get all motivated for a day, two days, three days, four days, fucking whatever. And then, like, you're the product of 10 years of motivation. Mm. And that doesn't come without a significant level of fucking pain and without a significant yeah. level of sacrifice of other things in your life. But ultimately, that is what's created this situation that you now have where yeah. you can fucking go and tap hands and roll with anybody and absolutely yeah. murder them like yeah. <laughs> which is the reality and that like that's the reality yeah. of like any of the confidence you have there because you know i can fucking absolutely destroy 99.999 if not fucking 100 percent of the people i roll with like i don't know about that yeah. <laughs> i try anyway but um yeah do you, do you know the big thing i kind of see and i'd say you see it yourselves is a lot of people they, they want to say I'm I'm obsessed. I'm dedicated. No one works harder than me. Do you know this and that. You know it's a kind of Instagram kind of mm. place that or world that we live in. But I genuinely, I gen anyone that knows me will tell you it doesn't it doesn't stop. Like after this podcast, mm. I'll go home. Everything I eat is to help me to recover and fuel mm. for the or fuel myself for the next training session. 
or kind of recover for the last training session. It's jujitsu and it's MMA and it's grappling and mm. you know it's it's sambo, it's judo. Like I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's. it's we would know that because we're cause you know, we, we you, see it. Yeah. Uh, we see it. But like, yeah. it doesn't stop. But you 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 actually don't talk too much about it. Like, you no, don't, you're not one to shout from the rooftops about no. it. But you're actually doing like in, in in like we were talking about people saying that they do that. Yeah. But a lot of the time they're not doing it. No. But you're actually the opposite. You're yeah. doing like so much. Yeah. And I know you're talking about it now. Yeah. But you just don't stop. But then you don't really talk about it too much. But yeah. There's a little thing that I kind of yeah. say. Uh, it's it's the work that you don't see me do. You know what I mean? Like say on, on my Instagram and that I'd say, for example, I'm using this as an example because we we're talking about it. I'd, um, I'd put a picture of my watch or, or yeah. you know, like the roar or the concept like too. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's cool. And it's like, you know, mm. it, even for myself, it's, it's like a, you know, I'm putting in the work. You know, and then maybe someone else, like say from my team or one of my teammates, going right, shit, he did an hour, an hour and a half up in the mountains today on a bike, and that. Mm. I better do my condition. That's a true. That. That's a real thing. Every time you put yeah. that picture up, I feel lazy. <laughs> <laughs> like it's true because yeah. I go and I go because you, if you're a person that has like fought, I don't know if you have that kind of mentality. I'll go right. What have I done today? Yeah, we all take inspiration from yeah. each other, though, don't we? Like, I go, if he that. done that, I have to go and do something yeah. now. Not not purely just because. No, I no, but I get it. You know it's, it's a it little bit of motivation. You. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Like say, for example, yesterday, um, I had a busy weekend. We're up at the SPG camp, and you know, I was training and getting stuff ready for the gym and the gym down here, and uh, and uh, I trained yesterday morning and a light enough session yesterday morning and I went home and I got something to eat and then I was kind of uh, I was getting like a little bit lazy or as in I thought I was being lazy and I was like you know I'm a bit tired today or whatever else and I was like you have a red zone session to do if you don't go and I was only home an hour from the gym and I got my food and that and I was like you have a red zone session to do and if you don't get it in today then like that's one less that you're going to have before you know say yeah. Polaris for yeah, example before the match, yeah. yeah in two and a half weeks time um so i was like get up you know stop being lazy let's get mm. to the fucking gym so i literally jumped up off the couch threw my stuff in the bag mm. and said to, to jamie who was at home i'll be back in 45 minutes yeah you know and that's all it that's and that's all it took it. i yeah. just got and i do that even on a saturday night like mm. i find that like if, if i'm getting tired and that you know after mm. training that morning you know tough week training and everything mm. else i was like you've one more conditioning session to go yeah you know get up stop being a bitch go down to the gym and yeah. do it and and no one sees it right you might see a post where you might see yeah. a watch or a picture of a concept two or whatever yeah. but then for me it's it might be like a for well me, they don't like, see the sacrifices they don't yeah. see you going leaving your kid and your yeah. and, and your wife yeah uh, fiance fiance yeah. but you don't they don't see you going look I have to go and do this like they yeah. just see the little gym they think it's yeah. they think it's cool but like there's a lot that goes into there's doing a lot that, that goes you know? into it yeah do you know there's everything and and there's there's even stuff that I don't I, I barely even I haven't really talked about like even you know, the the week of the week or two out from a match, I do like a lot more yoga and mm. a lot more stretching. I do a lot of breathing exercises, you know, to get my heart rate down and just kind of nearly like a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of visualization mm -hmm. and and do you know what I mean? Visualizing, get my hand raised and everything else. And I think it's like it's everything. It's all the little pieces of the puzzle that give you you know the win on the night or yeah. or, or whatever else but i, I yeah, think no, it's like, really it's really cool to see it come to fruition i think because we've been coming down here for a few years well, obviously i've known you i've yeah. known you for about, maybe about six or seven years yeah, now or something yeah, like that. Easy, yeah. but even just coming down now more seeing it more like just it's just real cool yeah i don't think any i don't think anyone who knows you has a doubt in their mind because they they, they know how much work you put yeah, in yeah it literally is from hard work yeah and 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 yeah. having like I literally said to Jamie last week, like my life mission as regards my, um, 
what's the best way to, to word it like as regards like say if you want to say my career or probably going to be one of my next questions so yeah go ahead <laughs> it, my life mission is to become a world champion create world champions and create like world class black belts mm. you know along with the other stuff that comes like comes with like running a gym as in like uh, creating an environment where everyone's welcome and all that kind of stuff but I'm big on the, the competition scene as regards uh, I, like I love when my lads compete I love competing myself um, I'm trying to build the best team possible. Uh, I do really feel that, like, I've kind of turned the corner in maybe the last year or so. It's like, it's us against them in the sense that it's Ireland against the world. So mm -hmm. it's not even just about SBG, Tullamore and that, you know. I love going away, like, say, and you'd meet lads from different teams. It could be, like, say, Rhino or East Coast or, you know, whoever it might be, lads from Cork or Galway or wherever. And it's like, you know, I, I love that feeling of being in a different country, you know, with more Irish lads. Yeah. You know, or lads from lads are that from your your you know your team or, or the same you know teams in the country and uh and it's like it's us against them. That's mm. bigger rather than going it's Rhino against SPG or it's SPG against you know East Coast or whatever. Like that's all healthy and you need that and that's great for you know the the, the local scene and everything else and, and that's natural to have that. And mm. that. But I feel for myself like I'm trying to get I'm trying to do something bigger. Like I I, I want to be a world champion and yeah. I want I want my lads to exceed anything I've ever done. Uh, but I'm gonna make it. I'm I'm gonna raise the bar. You know, I'm gonna keep trying to push it until they can, you know, eventually beat that and you know have academies of their own and you know mm -hmm. hold titles, you yeah. know, world titles themselves. And that's that. That's literally my goal. It's that simple. And then if I can make a few quid off it along the way, but sure, that's a blessing. Do you know what I mean? Do what you love. I don't need to have a part time job. A job I get to you know teach and you know travel the world and everything else. I'm very mm -hmm. grateful. Do you know because I've yeah. had jobs and like where I've. Like I've hated. I worked in a mink farm at one stage. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Only for a couple of days. Yeah, that was in the yeah. middle of the recession. John Ging actually got me that job. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. It was like two hundred thousand mink in a place uh, called Vickerstown in Leash. It was awful. I remember John rang me and he turned around. And he said to me, um, uh, "Have a job for you there, hundred quid a day." And I was like, "Nice one, hundred quid, quid a day. day. That's five hundred. You know, obviously five hundred yeah. quid, like." And uh, and this is in the middle of the middle of the recession and that uh, you'd be hard pressed to find that now. <laughs> yeah, you would. And I said to him, yeah. "Right, okay, what is it?" He said, "I'm working in a mink farm." And I said, "A mink farm?" Mink he farm. said, "Yeah, mink farm, whatever else." And uh, I said, "What do you do in a mink farm?" He said, "Brock, that's what the lads call me in Port mm. Leash." He said, "It's it's the best job ever." He said, "It's so handy." He said, "You." You go around with a net, you put on a pair of rubber gloves. If the mink break out of cages or, or out, of, out of sheds or whatever else, you literally just catch them, throw them into a trolley, <laughs> throw them back into the, into the little bird cage things that they were in. They look like bird cages. And uh, grand. I was like, that sounds class. You know, lift up a pallet, there's a mink, put a little net on him, throw him into a trolley, wheel him back into his thing, whatever else. That wasn't the way it was. Like you'd up, you'd pull up a pallet and that mink would go straight for your throat. Do you know what I mean? I didn't realize they were so vicious. Like they're awful. Like I remember I put me, we had to do, uh, this is like a mad story. Oh. My, on my second day on the job, two lads didn't show up. So then uh, the it main was you lad, versus all the mink. Me and John King versus all the mink, right? So two lads didn't show up and they're on about vaccinating these minks. I only did two, or I only or did two days on the job. And you're, the boss came down. He said, right, you're vaccinating the mink. And I was like, what? It's only my second day in the job. He said, it's grand. Put this bottle on your neck. So I basically had a, a blue piece of string and there was like a bottle and then there was a tube and a syringe attached to it. Oh, so this is what you're wow. walking around vaccinating the mink. And you're meant to like say, like vaccinate them on, on the inner, thigh. like their thigh area. Yeah. 
like have you ever done it <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I have no like it was awful you, put but you have your, to pick, pick them up you like, put pick. your hand into a cage where yeah. there's like five six or seven mink yeah. and like them mink Gone are hissing at you they're like pissing all over the place and Ooh. everything else right and they're biting your hands and they're able to bite through these shitty rubber gloves and then like you grab one and he'd run up your arm and like try to come up on your shoulder and that uh, you know, just gone for you, like fully gone. And for I you. was trying to do it, and and maybe from eight o'clock till like ten o'clock, so it was, say a good two hours. Yeah. And I must have vaccinated about four. That's how hard just it was. Wow. That's how hard it was. And uh, and then some young lad came in to me, and and he said to me, uh, like you're in this like thing, it looks like a mushroom farm. You know those kind of like a, a, a round. Oh, like sorry. A uh, round kind know, of shed, long sheds yeah, yeah, yeah. with cages, like left side and right side. Get and you, there's a little yeah. space in the middle. And that's the way they kind of lay it out. And I remember this young lad came in to me. Uh, I heard John Ging saying to the young lad, ask uh, Kieran how he's getting on in there or whatever. I was in one of my own. So this young lad came in. He was an iron young lad. He turned around and he goes, uh, John wants to know how you're getting on. I said, you tell John I'm getting out here at 10 o'clock or whatever. <laughs> I don't care. So 10 o'clock came. John walked out of his, uh, his little shed and yeah. I walked out of mine and he goes how are you getting on I said John I'm getting the fuck out of here or whatever I said I can't do this or whatever I stunk as well the smell oh, like you, it's one of those smells when you shower you can't get rid of the smell so I did a day and a bit on it right and uh, I walked from Vickerstown to Atai and one of the lads I used to train with picked me up from Atai and drove me to Port Leash and I picked my car up there and went home my old lad was ringing me on the way home and he was going, I heard you. Uh, yeah, no, but he was taking the piss. He was like, uh, I heard you're getting uh, heard you're getting promoted there in your new job and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I thought I was going to go to this mink farm. It was going to be great. Get paid a hundred quid a day to, uh, to catch mink and throw them back in their cages. Oh. I didn't even know what a mink farm was. And I realized that they actually use it for like it was for, for fur. For fur, that's yeah, what it, it is. Fur, yeah, that's yeah. what it is, yeah. Yeah, so I did a day and a bit there. So the, the reason I got onto that was... Like I've I've done shitty jobs. Yeah. You know, I've done jobs where I didn't even get paid for them. Do you know what I mean? Working yeah. on building sites and labouring and yeah. you know, and, and that type of stuff. And and so I appreciate what you know, what I have now. And yeah. You know, no no one I remember someone said to me just before I opened up the gym, they turned around and I was like I said to you, I was in a rough place, didn't have a penny. You know, after getting cut off the dole and you know, trying to better my life, trying to be a good person and just the system in a sense that it just kinda it wouldn't allow me or or, or or whatever way it was. And I remember someone said to me, um, he said, Kieran, he said, you're at rock bottom. And he said, you have nothing to lose. Why don't you open a gym? Do you know, you're, you're good. At, you're obviously good at coaching. Mm. Do you know? He said, uh, why don't you open up gym? He said, if, if it fails, you'd still be at rock bottom. You didn't lose anything. Do you know? It's um, good advice. Yeah, it was good advice. I was teaching in a gym before I opened my own place down in Athlone. And um, I remember like the, the kind of deal was the lads are, most lads are on membership. Um, and it's it, like, and then there's drop-ins and it's seven euro class. You get to keep the seven euros, right? So that's the way it was. So I drive from uh, Kilcormac to um, Athlone. This is before I was living in Tullamore. Yeah, independent. Kilcormac's about 15, 15 minutes away from Tullamore. It's a small little town. Right. And uh, I drive down knowing that I wouldn't have enough petrol to get home, Do you know? So I drive down, teach class, wouldn't say anything to anyone. And like say, some nights I might get like uh, seven euro. Some nights I might get... 14, 21, mm. a good night be like 28 quid. Yeah. You know, and literally when I was coming home, I'd like say, throw like a, a tenner in the car. Yeah. I keep a tenner for paying for my fees in the gym. And then uh, I buy like beans, eggs, milk and bread, go home and make like some beans yeah. and toast and yeah. whatever else. And then that for me, I was happy, you know, and not that I was happy, but I was, I was fed and, you know, everything else. And I was at home. And mm. uh, so then that's when your man said to me, look, you're at rock bottom. He said, you've, you've nothing to lose. He said, why don't you open up a gym? So then I, I didn't have like a penny to rub together. Went into the the social, you know, there was an enterprise mm. board and that. And I yeah. said said to the woman there, I said, look, 
want to open up an MMA and jiu-jitsu gym. This is years ago. This is even before Conor, like, it, you know, his, it? his big rise in the sense. You know, 2012. So whenever Conor's, I'm sure maybe Conor's rise. I think it was 2013, I think. Two, was maybe Cage Warriors would have been 13. Whatever, yeah, I think give it was. Give or take, the, anyway. Yeah, I think it was the end of 2013. When was his Cage, Cage Warriors. Warriors yeah, so maybe was, 14, 15 yeah. would have been his, his yeah. big rise when he broke into mainstream yeah. media in Ireland. Yeah. You know, in a sense. And uh, so MMA was very, like, it was obviously regarded as being barbaric and everything at the time. Yeah. and you know, because people didn't know much about it. And uh, so I went into this woman and I said to her, um, I said, look, just give me a chance. I said, if you, if, on, I was trying to get the back to work scheme. Yep. You know, and I said to her, um, like, just give me a chance. Um, like, and she, she was basically going to say, no, find another, find, find something else and, and then bring it to me. And I said, look, if you give me this, this will change my life. I said, there's nothing like this in Tullamore. I promise you it'll work. I, you know, and I, and I, I and, and I came from the heart. I was being genuine. And she said, you know what? For that very reason, she said, I believe you. Uh, she said, I know it's going to be a success and I'm going to give you 1,500 quid. So that's what I had. It was 1,500 quid to open up a gym. Now you look at lads opening gyms now. They're opening gyms with 70,000 and yeah. 8,000, 100,000. 1,500 quid. So 1,500 quid. I found a, 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 there was a boxing club in Tullamore and there was space to rent upstairs. They were, they were giving me like, say maybe it was like 300 quid or 350 quid a month. Yep. Do you know what I mean? To, to, to pay or sorry I, I had to pay them 350 quid a month that was my rent um, so I bought I bought some second hand mats and I borrowed some mats from the lads in Port Leash and that's all I had and a few lads gave me a couple of old boxing bags yeah. I remember I had 100 quid from the dole I, get, I got a lad to fabricate like a, some boxing bag uh, like a Racking yeah hangers or, yeah. or whatever else or a pull up bar and stuff yeah. like that so it was very rough and that but then I, I taught my first class the place was packed and then it just kind of built from there you know, and and, well, and it was just it was passion and hard work and, and yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just believing in myself that one one day I'm gonna make it to black belt, I'm gonna have a team of killers and uh, and I think like even mm. uh, like if you come to this gym like every couple of weeks you come down to something different here. You know, we're trying yeah. like we're we're trying to add to it the whole time, you know, new showers or Yeah, new change rooms. Yeah, new nice. change rooms, yeah. new bats, this the, Yeah, or, this new seating area. Yeah, new seating lovely. area. Yeah. Uh, we have a few other things that we're working on at the moment and that like we're trying to make our coaching better the whole time. Mm. You know, we're trying to we're just trying to be trying to be better coaches and not mm. even just like the technical side of it, but yeah. even just trying to like make sure that everyone's all right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Making sure that like no one goes unnoticed on the mat. Yeah. That, do you know what I mean? My main reason for opening up the gym back in the day was only to pay for my fees in SPG so I could train full time and be able to eat. Yeah. I remember the first time I made like say good money, I did like a fitness course or something like that. Yeah. I made 350 quid. Right. That to me that was good money in the sense that like to get a lump. Oh yeah. Back in the recession when he didn't yeah. have any money. So like and this is where it all came from. I literally drove up to D8 Fitness. I bought some blue kettlebells mm. and some pink kettlebells. Yeah. And then we started doing like some little conditioning class. And I still have the kettlebells out there. Deadly. And then say and we we'd run MMA shows and we'd run different types of things and we threw mm. it all back into the gym. Yeah. You know, we threw it all back into the gym. We bought mats and now we Fuji mats, we've the cage yeah. there and you know everything else. And it was all done from like yeah. you know, just throwing everything back into the gym and trying to make it better and that. Do you know, and then Unreal. even like being up at John's gym at the weekend and seeing, yeah, do you know, his gym like that's inspiring that, to see. Like, that for you, yeah, that's, that's like that's a class looking gym, yeah. Do you know, for me, that'd be like for me, that's my that'd there be a go. dream gym, yeah. Do you know, and then when if you someone like that that raises the bar and that, and then it obviously gets you to inspires mm. you and tries to push you on to, yeah. to do better things and that. So, yeah, that's the story. That's how I got set up the gym, and, and do you know, and, and even in the beginning, there was people saying like that wouldn't work. <laughs> You know, that's not, you can't open up an MMA gym in, in Tullamore Jiu Jitsu gym. That, that won't work. Mm. Do you know? But I just didn't believe anyone. I just, yeah. all I wanted to do was be on the mat and roll and, and train yeah. and everything else. And, 
and then uh, it just built and now now we are where we are and, and I, I honestly know. only believe that it's the tip of the iceberg yeah and I know people do do say that but I know how hard I work my team works yeah you know and everyone else works and, and just constantly evolving and yeah, yeah. and I kind of I have that like feel that even even though it's my own gym when I walk in here that there's like everyone's on like there's something special happening yeah you know I can feel it off everyone you know yeah. even and even if it's just only only in my own head yeah you know that's all I need <laughs> you know but that's yeah. all I need yeah yeah sure. you know what I mean that we're that we're all working towards a higher purpose let's think your whole life is in your own head yeah if you think about it, is. it. yeah you know it's all I mean? it's all like yeah. you know it's all the way you view yourself it, and, yeah. you know it's in your own head and that so that that's how I kind of got set up with the gym and yeah. then it built from there so now that you are a black belt with a team of killers <laughs> what's next it's funny because like yeah. I remember when John like when John gave me my black belt um like I, I went on a tear in that like say purple and brown say as regards like in jiu-jitsu and that mm. and I remember the night he gave me the brown belt or sorry the, the, the black belt um, I was obviously delighted I was over the moon and that mm. but there was a little bit of sadness there at the same time it was kind of like it was like the end or something yeah it was the end of that journey yeah. and now the beginning of another one do you know right. there was this, I just remember feeling a small it, I was chasing it and I yeah, was chasing so it so hard yeah. and I was so dedicated and, and mm. I didn't want to be just handed a black belt yeah, I didn't want. I didn't want to be handed a black belt. I, you know that you hear the thing. There's black belts and then there's black belts. Yeah, I don't think John just hands out. No, John doesn't anyway. anyway yeah. You know, and he definitely doesn't. But like, like all, all of his black belts are killers. Yeah. Um, and they all have different styles and and everything else. But I, I, I never. I, I wanted to earn it. Yeah. And I wanted to feel that when I put that black belt on me, no matter where I went around the world, I could hold my own and more. And did you feel like that? You know, yeah, I did. I felt it was the. I felt it was the perfect time for me to get a black did belt. You? Yeah, do you know, and like if I had got it a year ago or, or a year before that, um, I don't think it would have been the right time. And I felt that like, yeah, you know, like I'm still learning, and now I get to really learn jiu-jitsu as a black belt. You know, I, I know people say that, and it's kind of cliche, and that, but yeah. now I'm really starting to get into the little details and why things work and why yeah. things don't work, and and you know, I've obviously a lot to learn. Yeah. You know, I, even though I'm after doing, I don't know, eleven years or twelve years or whatever it is. There's lads out there that are 11 and 12 years as black belts. Do you know? So how much this knowledge do they have, regardless if they compete or not? Yeah. Do you know, you have lads that are like third and fourth degree black belts and legit black belts. Like, do you know, they're literally like a, do you know, they're, they're nearly like a, like superheroes. Yeah. In a sense, the way yeah. they can break down jiu-jitsu and that. So, yeah. do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only young. Yeah. Do you know? So I'm, I'm excited for the next couple of years. Our gym is only open seven years. So yeah. I believe in the next three years, we're going to have world champions and that's me included. Yeah. Do you know, and then after that, then, do you know, I'll, I'll still be young in three years' time, and yeah. we'll take it from there. We'll have we'll have a team killer, team full of killers, and we'll have. I got to promote my first two brown belts uh, two weeks ago. Sid Allen and Kieran O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pick two better lads to give brown belts to. They've been with me since the beginning. Um, yeah. Do you know? So like, it, it's cool. It's exciting, and and even giving them two their brown belts, like yeah. I was barely able to sleep that night. Yeah, I was just buzzing. Yeah, do you know, I was up yeah. all night, and and I was really. I don't know if it was just because it was my first time to to give out brown belts or anything like that, but like, like I was genuinely happy for them, and I was, I, and I couldn't sleep. I was excited before them, do you know. Amazing. So yeah, no, it's cool. Awesome. Yeah. So then, uh, we, that's that's kind of like how the gym and that got set up, and we are where we are now. So on on Polaris and, and you know doing. Yeah. So when's that? What date's that? Uh, Polaris is August thirty first. It's in Manchester. Nice. Um, taking on a lad from Leeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he, I think he owns or runs Scramble Academy in Leeds. Uh, his name's Fred Greenhall. Um, he's very good. He's a black belt as well. Um, but I, I just, I honestly believe. Look, anything can happen on a match. But I honestly believe that I've 
worked too hard and I've just I've, there's nowhere that anyone can put me that I feel that oh shit I should have worked on this position mm. you know I look for those positions where I, I'm not as good and I turn them into my positions well. do you know and, and I really do I know people do say that but no I can feel it do you know I really do <laughs> you definitely do yeah <laughs> but that, that's the way it is yeah. you know don't get me wrong like you're going to be in bad positions but mm. to know what to do from those positions and that yeah. so I'm confident going into this I want to I want to get the finish I want to put on like a, an exciting slick performance and then I want the main card and I want to I want to I want the Polaris belt do you know so whoever I have to take out like I'm not looking past my opponent like mm. the heat this lad is one step for me one step closer for me to get the Polaris belt do yeah. you know what I mean and I honestly believe that I can be, be the Polaris champion at 77 or 85 yeah. do you know and and so whoever I have to take out to get it so you can give me the biggest name possible the big American name or whoever it is like I'm ready for it like mm. even motivation for this like say Polaris match I'm looking at the main card there and there's lads on the main card and I know I take them out yeah. do you know what I mean I want the main card and, and not just to be on the main card like I want I want to be by the end of the year I want to be like in a position where I'm going to be contesting for the belt next year mm. do you know what I mean and I want to be the first Irish uh, you know Polaris champion and taking it from there regardless well. of you know anything that that's mm. my goal well i fully believe in you yeah so well that's the plan you just have to keep working and, yep. and working towards it and you know yeah. it, there's a little thing like if, if i fail then just fail better the next time do you know what i mean and then correct your mistakes and then just keep going nice. i got to learn that the hard way and you know i am where i am now because of it deadly so anything else you want to say before we wrap it up uh, i suppose my thank me thank me sponsors and that uh, oh, yeah. so just thanks to, to tammy fightwear for kit me out and looking after me couldn't yeah. ask for better sponsors mm. um the lads at mcgregor fast for for doing my conditioning and mm. um, the lads at clean cut meals for for uh, just that's been um, that's been an unbelievable help like literally come in from the gym and mm. just like throw the meals in the microwave and amazing yeah you know so they're brilliant uh, all my training partners teammates uh, you know coaches and nice. and everything i've met everyone everyone i've met along the way in train with like say regardless if we're on the same team or not like I, I love training with different people and, and different teams and you know mm. my own team and everything else so anyone that's helped me get this far and, and everyone knows who they are you know it might be like a, a couple of words that they might have said to me that didn't uh might not have meant a lot to them but i i, I took it and ran with it yeah. you know and there's there's loads of examples of that you know what i mean so anyone anyone that believed in me and anyone that didn't believe in me and for and anyone that laughed you know thanks to the whole lot of you i use it all for fuel you know so uh yeah that's Deadly. it Thanks so much, Kieran. Yeah. Oh, that's a grand old chat. Thanks, Will, for your in questions as well. Fuck off. <laughs> he just told me to fuck off for anyone who couldn't hear me. <laughs> Love you too. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. What a chat. What a guy. What a grappler. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, let me know what you think. Leave me a review in um, Apple Podcasts. Um, let me know what you think on, over on social media. You can get me at Ben Paul Forsyth over on Instagram or Twitter as well. All criticism, all advice is welcome. And yeah, looking forward to coming back very soon with another exciting guest to help you fuel your life. Peace.